some really interesting news for you. Um, you may have noticed in some of our past teachings there's been this constant humming noise. It sounds like a vacuum cleaner running. Well, it turns out that at the uh, apartment building where I rent, it's an old building. It's almost as old as me. <clears throat> I mean, as young as me. <clears throat> Slip of the tongue. Anyway, our air conditioner went out. And so they're having to send for the part. They said it may take months, because it's old. When you get old, you're hard to find. But anyway, they've been running this portable generated thing outside, and it's been creating such a buzzing noise that I hadn't realized it until I was watching back the teachings. So I just want to thank everyone for your patience in putting up with that. Fortunately, today, they don't have it on. But the temperatures have dropped low. It's good day here in Florida. We're getting uh, low humidity and, and low temperatures at night. It's almost like California. You can actually sleep good at night. There's no hardly any humidity and the temperatures are, are in the 70s. Anyway, today's teaching, I was going to, if that was still humming and making noise, go lightly and tell some funny things that happened during the course of the brief time that I've been in ministry. And I'm sure many of you watching that have been in ministry far longer than me have even better stories to tell. But anyway, since they're not making that buzzing sound, I decided to go with something a little more serious, which most of my teachings are. We have fun too, but still, um, I felt this needed to be addressed. I know that in my early teachings, I spoke of my background coming from Catholic religion how God delivered me from that to become a Christian, a follower of Christ instead of a follower of the Pope. And I know that from that a lot of people may get the uh, concept that I'm uh, angry with the Catholics. It's not true. What I am doing is my job and that's exposing churches that are the false body and bride of Christ that have deceived many people into thinking they're safe and secure with being a spiritual baby for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of their life. That's not what God intends. He gave us His Holy Spirit so we could grow up into spiritual maturity and become His spiritually mature son or daughter. And not just a whiny little baby that wants God to do everything for us. We're supposed to be warriors in God's army. We're supposed to be harvesters, harvesting souls from the world. We're supposed to be believers. Not just whiny little two-year-old babies that have been born again for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of our life. And all we feel is that if we show up for church for maybe a half hour on Sunday, drop a dollar in the collection, we've done our duty to God. That's a religious lie. It's not true, and they're deceiving and lying to many people. And my job is to expose this. And I'll tell you another thing. With the kind of activities that have been going on with Pope Francis lately, the Holy Spirit showed me. He spoke to me one day, and I was talking to him about the job of having to expose these false pretend 
members of the true body and bride of Christ. And he gave me the scripture that's found in Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And if I may, I'll look that up for you real quickly and give you an idea of exactly what that says. That's in um, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I have it right here and I'd like to share it with you. It says, Know this, in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. You think murdering a baby in your own womb is without natural affection? Truce breakers, slanderers. We see plenty of that in politics today. Slanderers. Unrestrained, fierce despisers of those who are good. Traitors. We see a lot of that in politics today. Reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, which is what the phony writes, but denying its power. They deny the Holy Spirit. They tell you you cannot receive the blessing of being baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. But that was only for the apostles and it died with the last apostle. They tell you that religious lie because they're scared to death of the Holy Spirit. He's the truth, the spirit of truth. He'll reveal all the man-made garbage that they've been feeding you for decades. Well, Paul said in Timothy, turn away from such people. That's not saying stay with them and support them and let them feed you more garbage. It says turn away from such people. Those of this nature creep into houses and captivate silly women who are burdened with sins and led away with various desires, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, without the spirit of truth within you, you can read God's Word all day long. But to study God's Word and understand what it means, you need the one who inspired the writing of God's Word. You need the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of God, to understand the truth that's found in God's Word. Well, here's what the Holy Spirit pointed out to me. Now, as Janies and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds and worthless concerning the faith. Here's what he told me about exposing these false prides. The last sentence. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly will be revealed to everyone as theirs also was. Theirs meaning Janus, Janus and Jambres who resisted Moses. Well, we're seeing that come to pass with a kind of really satanic declarations made by this Pope Francis. Somebody wants to, we don't have the air conditioner, so we're gonna have to have a motorcycle swing by. Anyway, the idea is that's exposing him 
for who he truly serves. He didn't get that kind of teaching that he's spouting today about putting together a one world church from the Holy Spirit. He got it straight from Satan. It's a fact he's working with Soros, his boss. Good news. I have here in my hand a pen. Those who may have watched my last teaching may have seen me going uh, all the time that I was talking. And that's a distraction. Now, I majored in speech in school. I was planning on actually being a speech teacher. And I'll tell you this, my high school speech teacher, Mrs. Zen, she would have smacked my hands if she'd have caught me doing this. And I'm going to tell you, this comes from too much watching reruns of Johnny Carson. Pen was his gimmick. He would do the same things. He'd go, you know, with the pen, and he'd, he'd go like that, you know. Watch his show, you'd see. I picked it up from watching him. Bad habit. Well, watch this. It's gone. I don't want anything to distract you from the seriousness of what I'm speaking about. Now, having been brought up in the Catholic Church, when I decided to leave, I asked the Holy Spirit one day, I'd been born again now, and I had within me the Spirit of Truth, and I asked the Holy Spirit, where did the Catholics come from? It was really interesting. And I'll tell you, we have such good two-way communication, he and I. Uh, usually it's me asking him questions, occasionally he'll ask me some, put me on the spot. But usually I've got loads of questions to ask the Holy Spirit, but the good part is when I do, he gives me the answer. So I asked the Holy Spirit, where did the Catholics come from? And he showed me, again I'll look up scripture, because I know there are people out there, especially among people that currently are Catholic, that will want to jump all over me for daring to question this. And I got the answer for you, and it's not the answer for me, it's the answer I received from the Holy Spirit. And basically it uh, it comes from God's Word. I was amazed to find out that in the Bible all this time, no one has seen it before, but it actually shows us where the Catholics came from. And to find that, and I encourage all of you to look it up for yourself, I'm going to share it with you now out of God's Word, but hopefully you have a Bible that you can look it up too. Especially those of you who might be angry with me for daring to challenge the authenticity of the Catholic teaching. But if you will look in 1 Corinthians and take uh, verses chapter chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 I just happen to have them right here. It says, uh, wrong. I tuned in the wrong one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Got too many scriptures to go along with this teaching. Let's try this instead. I'm glad that you're looking in your Bible. If you look there already, don't forget to take time to study what it says. But basically what I meant to tell you was to <laughs> go to Galatians and Galatians in chapter 3. Thank God I'm there already. 
But when you go to Galatians chapter 3, It's verse 11. We'll start with that. Now, mine has a subtitle for this part, and it's called Paul Rebukes Peter in Antioch. And it said, this is Paul writing to the Galatians. He said, but when Peter came to Antioch, I withstood him face to face. He's supposed to be the big time leader. Mm -hmm. Paul said, I withstood him face to face because he stood condemned before certain men came from James, certain men, we'll find out that those certain men were Pharisees, who in the early church, a lot of the former Pharisees supposedly converted to being followers of Christ. And it said, before certain men came from James, he ate with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. See, Peter was brought up to fear the Pharisees. All the Jewish people were there, the theologians. They know more about God than me. I'm just a lowly nobody. These people have spent years of their life studying about God. They know more about him than I do. And they were taught to respect and look up to the Pharisees. Now, not all of the Pharisees who converted to Christianity became Christians. What they did do was they played the same silly game on the early Christian church that they played with God's chosen people. They had turned God's chosen people with all of their man-made doctrines and their man-made laws which had nothing to do with God. They turned them into being their religion. And they were so worried about obeying all of these laws that they didn't even recognize their own Messiah when he walked in their presence. And now they were trying to do in Peter's church the same thing. What it is, is these certain men, the Pharisees that came to Peter's church, they couldn't help but notice the way Peter feared them. They loved the idea that Peter had fear of them. And they said, this is where we got to find our home because we can manipulate and turn these people into our religion. Don't believe me? Look at the Catholic Church. Okay. Now, here's what happened. Paul was upset because once those Pharisees showed up, before then, Paul and Titus and Barnabas had come to visit with Peter. Now Titus happened to be a Gentile. Well, when these clowns showed up, Peter stopped eating with them because he didn't want to offend them. The Jews were taught, oh, Gentiles, they're nothing. They don't have the Torah. They know nothing. They're nothing. Don't even, just look down on them. Don't look down your Jewish nose at them as if they're little tiny ants walking on the ground. They're not worthy for you to associate with. And he had all that garbage inside of him, and when they showed up, out of fear of offending them, Peter stopped eating with Paul, Barnabas, and Titus. Before they came, every day he would eat with them. And it got so bad 
that other Jews in Peter's church joined with Peter. And it was so very bad that even Barnabas got taken in by it, and he too, leaving Paul and Titus at the table alone, while all the good Jews gathered together to look down on Titus. Paul said, I think I've had enough of this. And he took Peter on head on, and he said, Peter, you hypocrite. Before these clowns showed up, you would constantly eat with Titus and Barnabas and I. But now that they're here, you leave us alone. Now, he didn't particularly say that. But what he said was, Peter, if you live like a Gentile, why are you trying to impose Jewish traditions on the Gentiles? That's a polite way of putting it. I think Peter just said, you phony. I mean, he called him out. It states that. That's one thing about the Bible is it doesn't uh, sugarcoat it. It tells it like it is, especially St. Paul. He didn't mince words. He would get right to the point and tell you exactly how it is. Well, here's the deal. Evidently, Peter had failed to understand what Jesus was telling him when three times he asked Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know I do. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me more than these, the other apostles that were gathered there on the seaside? Lord, you know I do. Peter, feed my sheep. Three times he told Peter to feed his sheep. He was trying to warn Peter to watch out what his sheep were being fed. Evidently, Peter missed the point of that, and he allowed these guys to not only visit his church, but to preach in his church. So when Peter was martyred, the head Pharisee, who all the Jews in Peter's church, which was the majority of the members, they were under the spell of this head Pharisee. The head Pharisee in turning the redeemed children of God into their religion, they were expert at twisting the meaning of scriptures and making it sound like they actually knew what they were talking about. So the head Pharisee said, I know what Jesus meant when he told Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. He meant that Peter was Pope number one. He's dead now. That makes me Pope number two. And all the people went, Amen. And that's where this got started. Now another thing I can point out to you, because I know that this just makes people even more angry, even though that it corresponds with the Word of God and what actually happened. But I can point out certain things. For one, you know that Jesus said, Call no man father, but your father in heaven. Jesus also had a rich young man approach him one day, and he said, Good master, what must I do to gain eternal life? Well, Jesus knew that his calling him good master was just to build up to him, to put, you know, to get in with him. So Jesus asked him, Why is it that you call me good? Only your father in heaven is good. Well, from that you can deduce the fact that what man is holy. 
you know, we know from God's Word that none of us are holy. The only holy person that ever walked on this earth was Jesus. Now, because of His suffering and dying for our sins to be forgiven and our relationship to be restored, God was able to impart to us His Holy Spirit. He'd done it with David because of David's desire to be close to Him. Because David wasn't washed in the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit could only fall on Him for brief periods of time. God made it possible, as John the Baptist said, the one coming after me, he it is who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He made it possible for the Holy Spirit to dwell within us 24-7, every moment of our life. We have the kingdom of God within us, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, here this man wants people to call him holy, Father. You realize the chasm between being good and being holy? Who's a man that people should look on him and call him Holy Father? Not only that, who is he that he should usurp God's authority in making spiritual laws that are to be abided by the members of the church? He's a man. You know, God is not a man that he should lie man will lie to you. Man will come under the deceptions of Satan and even though he doesn't realize he's lying, he will be telling Satan's lies. Now here we have the head of the Catholic Church wanting people to call him Holy Father. And then he's making his own laws through the centuries. There have been all these phony laws that have been made by these old men that have nothing to do with God. Man, I never realized that in all my years of being a Catholic. It's only later that after I asked the Holy Spirit about where do the Catholics come from that He revealed this to me. And it's true. Now I'll give you some more examples. <clears throat> this, is, <laughs> this is something else. Do you know that uh, who but the Pharisees would come up with a caste system? You know, India is famous for its caste system. I'm here, you're there, the next guy's here. You know, <clears throat> and they look down upon the people in the lower caste same thing is true in the Catholic Church. You know that there are certain colored vestments that only the Pope is allowed to wear. There are other colored vestments only the Cardinals are allowed to wear. Then there are other vestments that only the bishops can wear. Then there are others that only the Monsignors can wear. And then there are others that only the priests can wear. A class distinction based on what color of vestment you wear. If that isn't silly, and show me where that's godly, where the Holy Spirit, who's a respecter of no man, would insist on a caste system like that, where you look down upon the other guy and say, "I can wear this color robe and you can't." Nah, 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 nah. You know, phony, phony. And yet people have fallen for it for centuries. Well, it's time for that to stop. And I challenge you who are still angry with me to look at the current statements that this Pope Francis has been making. Don't be in the dark. Don't be naive. You need to seek wisdom and discernment. You're being lied to. You're being led into religion. And religion is empty and powerless. It's your relationship with God 
and being born again of the Spirit of God and having the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit within you to help you become spiritually mature sons and daughters of God. Believers who are willing to go out into the world and lay hands on the sick and pray for them and watch them recover. To see those who are dead both spiritually and physically get prayed for and come back to life. To cast out demons. Jesus said those are what people who followed him would do. He didn't say only Benny Hinn will go out and do that. He said people who are followers of him would be able to do this. Religion won't give you the ability to even halfway comprehend how to do even one of those things. Your relationship with God as a member of the true body and bride of Christ, the Holy Spirit is welcome there and he's encouraged to edify, to build up each member of the church there. They're not afraid of the spirit of truth. Their teachings are based on the spirit of truth. Now, one other thing, and then I'll pretty much be ready to close this teaching, but it's very interesting. And that is, um, of course, my favorite apostle is St. Paul. And in my prayers, I ask him to do for me what he did for St. Paul, to take the life of this chief of sinners of his generation, me. I failed God so badly for so many decades in my life. I've asked him to turn my life around and do for me what he did for St. Paul. Use me mightily for his honor and glory before I die. For his honor and glory, not mine. I don't want anybody worshiping me, putting me on a pedestal, saying I'm something. I'm nothing without God. I don't want your money. I want your heart. I want to be able to give you teachings that will reach into your heart and have your heart dedicated to loving and serving God with all of your being. I'm not a screaming fellow that's going to yell at you. One of my least favorites are these guys that take a deep breath and yell, take a deep breath and yell, take a deep breath and yell. I think, my goodness, buddy, I didn't come here to get yelled at. I came here to listen to a good teaching. My stepfather said, if you have something intelligent to say, say it to me intelligently and I'll listen to it. He went to church one time and he walked out. He told me, he said, the guy just was yelling everything he said. And he said, I was thinking, my God, doesn't he realize why they invented a microphone so you don't have to yell? You know, truly the early apostles had to yell. They're inside of a catacomb with other living people as well as those who've departed. And you had to be heard, so you had to be a little loud. But here's the deal. I told the Holy Spirit, knowing that He's calling me to do God's work, I said, yes, yes, but, please, there's one thing I never want to be guilty of doing, and that's getting people's emotions tickled and getting only their emotions saved. That happens. Now, I realize that in seminaries, a lot of them are taught, if you don't move people's emotions, you haven't done your job right. Well, that's man's teaching. Why don't you let the Holy Spirit inspire you to do the job the way God wants it to be done and reach into people's heart and have them make a decision with their entire being? That's what I've asked God for. I've asked God that using me as a teacher, let me speak to people intelligently and let them make intelligent decisions to give their entire life, their entire being, to serving the one true God 
and to storing up treasure in heaven. Because when you come right down to it, that's really what life is all about. Take away all the distractions of the world and of Satan, and you're going to come close to God. You're going to realize how important your relationship with Him is. You're going to realize that you have responsibilities to your brother and your sister to be a disciple that leads them to Jesus. Not just a pew warmer that sits in church for an hour on Sunday and drops a dollar in. I'm telling you the truth, and it's a truth that matters to each and every one of us, me included. So, since St. Paul is my favorite of the apostles, there's a scripture that he gave us, and it's, it's one of my favorite. It's one that, if I use him for an example, it's one that I love going by. And that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me get to it real quick here. 12, oh, 1 Corinthians 2. And where was it that he spoke that? It's in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Which is, yes. I'm on the right place this time. Can you believe it? I got it right. So pay attention. This is really good. And if it applies to me, you could be sure it applies to you just as well. And I'm going to tell you this. St. Paul, I just love the fact that he just straight out tells it like it is. He doesn't sugarcoat it. Peter had a tendency to do that. But Paul just comes right out and says, this is it, guys. I tend to have the same boldness. But here's what St. Paul said. We start out with verse 4 in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. He said, they had Anne. It doesn't have Anne in, in the Bible I'm reading from. Let's skip the word Anne. But he said, and my speech in the Bible that I have from King James, it says, my teaching and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and that's with a capital s holy spirit and of power why so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of god now I'll tell you this, and then I'll close. Back in 2008, and for about two years, I had the honor and privilege of being able to speak at Solid Rock Church. Pastor loved what I was teaching, and after I gave my first teaching on July 8th of 2000, it was the day after Dodie and I had our first anniversary. It was on a Sunday. And he let me speak that evening, and then he invited me to speak the first Sunday of, of each month. So I did that for about two years straight. But in the course of that time, now this is me just getting off the ground. I've wasted so many decades of my life running from God's call. But in the course of that, <clears throat> I would, uh, it was a, a, a church that had between 200 and 250 members at a time. A lot of them were the uh, clients that were there to get off of drugs and alcohol. But 
the privilege of calling people up for prayer. And then I would put my hand against their hand. No pushing. These, these ponies that try to push me down, they'll get on my forehead and they'll go like that. Well, I push against them. You should see their eyes bug out. I'm determined not to let anybody make a show out of me. If it isn't the presence of God, then I don't want any part of it. I'm not going to let that guy use me to put on a show. So I've had guys that I thought, you're going to have to break my neck because I'm not going to let you push me down. If it isn't the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't want it. I'm not even want respecting you getting your filthy hands on me. So here's the deal. I would pray for people and I'd put my hand like that. They'd put their hand up against me. And not everyone, and at first, no one, would get slain in the Spirit. But then the more I got to teach and, and do these services, the thing that really amazed me, the very first person that I got to pray for that got slain in the Spirit, a young lady came up. My, my teaching that evening was my testimony. And I was telling people, don't be like me. If you feel God calling you into the ministry, don't run away from it. Run to it. Run as hard and as fast as you can to it. Answer that call. Well, then I asked anyone who wanted prayer to come up. This young lady came up. I think she was probably in her mid-30s. And she came up for prayer. So I asked her privately, I said, what would you like prayer for? And she said, I believe I hear God calling me into the ministry. This young lady was one of the clients there that was getting off of drugs and alcohol. So I went to pray for her, for God to make it clear to her what that decision would be. So we put our hands up like that, and I just barely touched her fingertips. I had said probably about three words and then splat out on the floor she went right in front of me. That's the very first person that I prayed for that got slain in the spirit. Now me, hey I'm your regular Joe and I was in shock and to tell you the truth I wasn't expecting that you know and I just I looked and there she is just laid out on the floor and I knew it wasn't me it was the power of the Holy Spirit but I also knew I couldn't just stop. I had other people standing in line. As a matter of fact, after that, more people got up to come up for prayer, and the line got bigger. But I just took it in stride, like, yeah, I was expecting that. <laughs> Inside, I'm going like, wow, I can't believe that. Well, I'm praying for the other people, and it was quite a while, quite a few minutes passed. Finally, I'm getting down to where I prayed for the last person that was in line. And I, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed her trying to stand back up. So I went over to where she was and I offered her my arm to help lift her up, to help her get on her feet. And as I did, she spoke to me and she said, I know now what I'm supposed to do. She said, while I was slain in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me He does want me in the ministry. Well, she took Pastor Glenn, the head pastor, had a, a course for ministry. She took his course and completed it and did very well in it and actually got ordained as a minister under Solid Rock Church. The beautiful part of this is that the church notified her mother, who lived up north, 
about her daughter's becoming an ordained minister. That mother, <clears throat> we found out from the girl herself, her mother had disowned her. She'd had so many times when her daughter would come back home and she would say, Mom, I'm through with drugs. I'm off of it. I'll never do it again. Please take me back. Mother took her back. She wound up stealing her mother's jewelry, pawning it to get money for drugs. This happened so many times to that mother. She got to where she didn't believe her daughter anymore. And she had actually disowned her. She kicked her out of the house. And she said, as far as I'm concerned, you are dead. I no longer have a daughter. And don't ever think of asking me to come back home again because you have no home here anymore. That's what we found out. Well, the church notified the mother, your daughter is now an ordained minister. And they said, uh, we'll help pay your airfare so that you can come down and hear her. She's going to be preaching on Sunday, such and such day. Well, the mother flew in. They gave her a ride over to the church, and she got to hear her daughter preach that Sunday. And their reunion, everyone in that church was crying. They hugged and kissed, and the mother said, I'm so proud of you. What a blessing that was. And that's the first person that I prayed for and watched them get slain in the Spirit. And I can't take credit for any of that. It was the Holy Spirit just using me. Just to have to be an empty vessel that He can use for His honor and glory. I didn't tell you that to give me any honor and glory. Even now, I haven't had opportunities to speak in church for quite some time, but even now, there are times when I've spoken in church that people that I've prayed for and we just touch hands. I never push on them, just touch their hand. And they get slain in the Spirit. And then there are other people that don't. But see, that's not up to me. And the Holy Spirit's not there to put on a show and entertain people. He's there to meet people's needs according to what those needs are. And that's something you're not going to find being taught in the Catholic Church. It's one of the phonies. Unfortunately, it's just one of many of the phonies. And we'll be taking on others. So don't worry about Catholics being the only target. I'm bold, and my boldness comes from the Holy Spirit and the job that He's given me to expose these false body brides of Christ. He's tired of people that want to be close to God and love Him and serve Him being led astray into powerless religion and wind up being spiritual babies for their entire life. Those days are over. The closer we get to Jesus returning, He's returning for a victorious bride. He's returning for believers that are out in the world winning souls to Jesus and not trying to win people into their brand of religion. I'm straightforward and I'm honest with you, and I hope every one of you that hear this appreciates that. It's my job, it's my duty, and it's my calling. And in every instance, I always pray ahead of time. I don't pray out loud in front of you on camera, but beforehand. I pray up and I ask the Holy Spirit to use me to give me His unction, His anointing on what's being taught, that it will make a difference in people's lives. And like I say, I'm not here for anybody to put me on a pedestal or think I'm anything. <laughs> I'm a sinner saved by grace as we all are. I'm a member of the true body and bride of Christ, which I hope all of us will come to be. If you're in one of the phony churches, please, 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 take this serious and consider leaving there. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you
to a church that's a true member of the body and bride of Christ, a church that's not afraid to welcome him to take over their teaching and anoint it and to give the people attending there the power to become the kind of believer that Jesus said believers would be. I'm bold about this and I'm very serious because I don't want to waste any more moments of my life. I've wasted far too many being a failure to God and I don't want to die that way. I've given God so little reason on the day of judgment to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And my prayer every day is, please, Lord, don't let me die that way. Before I die, let me be able to give you legitimate reasons on the day of judgment to tell me that I have been a good and faithful servant to you. So you can be angry with me. And you can say, I'm anti-Catholic. I'm anti-phony bride of Christ that are leading people into powerless religion and destroying their opportunities to store up treasure in heaven, destroying their opportunities to go out as a true member of the body and bride of Christ and make a difference in the world. You know, the Muslims are winning people in large numbers because of their passion and their dedication. And you look at Christians, and what are they doing in the world? They're showing their religious bigotry. Our way is so much better than the other guy's way. And they're not showing people love, the same love that Jesus has for us. They're showing them, be like me. We got the answer, you know? No, show them love. And they'll want to hear what you have to say. But let what you have to say come from the Holy Spirit using you. I guess that's about all I have to say for this teaching now. Before I close, I will do this. I have a, <laughs> I have a surprise for all of you, and it even surprises me. But I have to be honest with you. Um, quite a few years ago, seems like only yesterday, but when I was a teenager, uh, the big thing was Elvis Presley. Come to think of it, he's pretty big even today. <laughs> anyway. It turns out that all the guys wanted to sing like Elvis Presley. And I heard some of them trying to do it and they were, well, at least they tried. <clears throat> anyway, I, uh, I thought, I wonder if I could do that. So I was a fan. I had a lot of the albums. So I put on some music and I tried to sing along with him. And to my amazement, I found out that I could do it and I could do a fairly decent job of it very easily without straining my vocal cords. It just came out natural. And so I started doing that just for the fun of it. And uh, over the years, I'll tell you, I was just way too shy. I'd be on a date with a girl and Elvis song would come on and I would say, no, I, I can't open my mouth. They'll think I'm nuts, you know? And I didn't have confidence in how well I could do it or anything. It wasn't until in the 1980s I was working at Kmart and the lady who managed the uh, jewelry department, she and her husband were good friends of mine, and I loaned her a, a cassette tape that I'd made of some of the songs. When she gave it back to me, she said, Joe, this is good. And I said, oh, you're just saying that. She said, no, I mean it. This is really good. You sound just like it. And she said, have you ever considered being an ETA? That's Elvis Tribute Artist. I said, no, no, I could never do that. I'm too shy. And she said, are you sure? She said, you realize, for one thing, you'd be making a whole lot more money than you're making here at Kmart. She said, for another, you'd have beautiful women 
giving you notes with their key to their home, their telephone number, and an invitation to come by and stop in for a visit, you'd have women wanting to tear your clothes off, you know? I, I, I looked at her, you know, and I, this was like in the mid-80s, I was in my 40s. I looked at her and I said, uh, I never thought about that before. Where do I go to sign up? And I'm only teasing, you know, of course, but anyway, so I never did. I was always too shy and I always felt, you know, there were only two Elvis Presley's, he and his brother. And I just want you to know that I'm not brother number 453 that's crawled out of the woodwork, you know, when you hear me doing this. And for those of you that are ETAs, I'm no competition. I have no intention of getting into anything like that. I'm doing it this one time as a reward for those of you that have put up with the teachings that I put out with that noise coming from outside, all that vacuum cleaner whining all the time I was talking in the background. And so I just wanted to reward you for that and surprise you. Now, you, you uh, beautiful young ladies from the 60s and 70s, I'm going to ask you, please, 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 uh, don't get fanatic on me. I'm not the guy. I just happen to sound a little bit like him. I will tell you this, <clears throat> that even though I've kept it a, a, a top secret for most of my life, and it's only until now that I'm older to where I just got to where I said, oh, what the heck, you know? But when I was married to my wife, my beautiful wife that God blessed me with, Dodie, um, it was in the first year of our marriage, and she was having her birthday, she had four years on me and she was turning 67. She was out during the day and shopping with her sister and while she was away I get the tape recorder cranked up, get the microphone cranked up and I made a copy of me singing along with Elvis singing the song You're So Young and Beautiful. So when she returned and we finally were alone I said, Dodie, I got a birthday surprise for you. Listen to this. Well, I played it. <laughs> wondering what her reaction would be. She was in shock. She said, Joe, why didn't you tell me you could do that? And I said, well, I thought it would be more fun to surprise you. I said, it's a birthday present for you. And you know what? She cried when she heard it. And then she asked me to play it over and over and over and over again. And I lost Dodie to ovarian cancer in October this month in 2011 and thank God that's one of the most beautiful memories I have of her listening to me doing that and crying and asking me to play it over and over again. So we're going to uh, make an effort to take something that I recorded on my voice recorder on my computer and see if we can get fed into the you know microphone on the camera that we're using. Uh, no use shooting me. I may be in the picture, but I'll just be sitting here holding my, com my computer. Uh, well, I, I hope you all will enjoy it, get a kick out of it. It's fun. It's fun to do. And like I say, uh, any of you ETAs, I'm not in competition with you. I'm too, still too shy to get up in front of people and, and, and try to, uh, for one thing, I don't have rhythm. <laughs> anyway, so we'll be doing this in a short while. We're going to post both the teaching that I just gave and this for you to have the teaching was so deep and serious that I thought it'd be fun for you to get a chance to lighten up and get a few laughs. So we're going to be doing that next. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next time. Bye.